0: hi and good morning and uh welcome to the um energy spectrum roundup this morning at, on the 9th of august um just want to check quickly if everyone can hear me someone could just do a quick raised hands that would be brilliant fab okay brilliant that's 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 all going well um had a slight uh technical problem with um joe who's going to be joe Due to joining me to talk through the perspective this morning so um, hopefully he'll be able to, to join me shortly so I'll uh, I'll run through the uh, the other long form articles first and hopefully he'll manage to uh, to join us to join us shortly after um, and, and if not we'll uh, we'll, we'll, we'll um, get him on next week um, to, to cover through the uh, the, the, the winter um, update um, that we had in the perspective this week. So, the uh, other articles I will go through this morning is Bayes publishing its Electricity Network Strategic Framework. It's um, also, we had um, the long range electricity storage policy to be developed with benefits published, explored by Bayes. And we also had Bayes publishing its Q22 um renewable energy pipeline um database. So um uh so um the first one I'll uh, I'll run through while um hopefully hopefully Joe manages to, to join us is um, Bayes is Electricity Network Strategic Framework. Um, so this came out on the 4th of August. Um, it was Bayes and Ofgem publishing their joint electricity network strategic framework. And this sets out a shared vision for the transformation of the electricity network to enable a secure, res- reliant, um, and resilient net zero energy system while providing value for money for consumers Um, This wasn't just the only document to kind of to do with networks that came out last week. There was three or four other large documents that came out relating to um, there were some land access rights and things to do with low voltage and some onshore competition networks as well. all of those will be covered in next week's Energy Spectrum. It was a very, very busy, very busy publication day for um, areas looking at the network. So, as I say, we've, we've covered this one this week and the rest will be covered in Monday's issue. So, the government's um, energy, source. backdrop for this? So, yeah, the government's energy security strategy outlined the target for a fully decarbonized electric, electricity system by 2035. In order to accommodate this ambition, the electricity network will need to undergo a significant and fast-paced transformation to accommodate the increasing integration of low carbon technologies and rising demand, as well as transition to greater, greater electrification of heat, transport and industry. The Electricity Network strategic framework builds on these commitments, setting out the direction of travel for future policy and regulation and the key actions required to achieve this vision. Um, So what I've put on the screen that hopefully everybody can see is kind of some of the main the sort of recommendations that the report pulled out of strategic leadership by the FSO. Uh, resilient and forward-looking network development, efficient infrastructure build, cost-effective and timely connections, a smart and digitized network with flexible solutions and cost-reflective charges so the faster development of network projects and greater coordination of the onshore and offshore transmission system will be vital in facilitating the government's decarbonisation targets but this will need to integrate economic and efficient delivery to limit the impact on customers and i think we might have joe with us now on the line joe hopefully you um we'll be able to hear you all good okay okay it sounds like joe still might be having some technical issues oh hi joe hey everyone sorry um just
1: had some IT issues
0: this morning that's fine hi joe lovely 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 that you're able to uh, to join us um so without further ado i'll i'll uh, um I'll I'll pop back, Joe. I was just uh, doing my covering of my long-form articles while we waited for you to join. Um, So, uh, brilliant. So, Joe, um, you very kindly wrote our perspective this week um, with Dan Starman um, in the Assets and Infrastructure team looking at uh, the winter is coming and the ESO's issuing its early winter outlook. So, this is one of Three documents we're expecting. We're expecting an early outlook on gas, and then the final winter outlook um, document. Um, so this was the kind of the early view of the, the, the power side, wasn't it? So, so what what were the main findings from the from the outlook?
1: Yeah. So I think uh, yeah, the, EAS, the current sort of report really indicates that the ESO are anticipating. Uh, from from their perspective, anyway, uh, anticipating margins to be broadly in line with uh, previous winter seasons. So the report sort of notes that their base case scenario sees uh, a derated margin of around about four gigawatts, so somewhat close to sort of uh, what they're forecasting in their in their previous winter output outlook report. So that was around about 3.9 uh, for the margin for the winter of 2021-22. Um, and overall, they're expecting uh, there to be sort of sufficient capacity to available to meet that demand. Uh, so they're meeting. They're expecting again uh, demand to peak around uh, 59, half uh, gigawatts. Um, I think the other sort of key things uh, sort of draw out from the from the sort of early view would be they are um, they did sort of mentioned that they are currently observing a series of sort of tight margins in the first half of december um so therefore i guess um, as as we move, sort of gradually move towards december if, if the Eso are still forecasting the, this sort of tightness over those periods then they have to they've got um various sort of operational tools at their disposal uh to flag any any issues to um, to, to the market to help actually increase that margin so Similar to sort of previous winters, um, we might um, see the ESO publish a few um, electricity margin notices or, or emans. And so, so, like I said, we've seen that um, that has been published, uh, you know, on, on numerous occasions in the last uh, few winter seasons. And I'm sure we'll touch upon this in a bit more detail. But they also then um, did sort of highlight, our high level anyway, um, the measures they were. They have in place to sort of help mitigate some of the issues around the gas supply issue in Europe that sort of seems to be raging on.
0: Um, brilliant. Um, thank you, Joe. So you sort of touched on sort of margins there. So are we looking at margins being tighter because of the issues that are being seen on the continent?
1: Yeah, I think um, I think this is one. I think this is one aspect that. Uh, we've delved into both in the piece and when we presented on this, you know, our various forums um, has been sort of when you start to dig around into the assumptions, um, you can kind of see that the, for, that for, the forecast um, seems to be sort of based upon GB observing typical interconnector flows over the winter season, which would, you know, in a typical winter would be GB predominantly importing for large periods of the season, notably over, over the peak periods. However, like, as I sort of said, you know there are sort of some caveats to that that we've sort of noticed that sort of may impede the forecast. Uh, the first of these, sort of as you, as you sort of alluded to, um, has to be sort of some, some, some sort of consideration to sort of what's happening in um, some of our interconnected markets, most notably France and Norway. So um, France continues to be sort of blighted with outages across its nuclear fleet Until sure, um, many people on the line have, have heard um, sort of the stories that are coming out of France related to their fleet. We still see roughly over half of their reactors offline um, and have seen reactor restarts hindered more recently by both sort of a combination of warmer river temperatures and um, lower river levels in France uh obviously the water is used to help sort of cool the reactors and um this sort of combination has caused an extension to um sort of those delays uh with um, um the reactors waiting to sort of um, take longer to, to restart at present so i guess all in all uh france is on course to see some of its lowest output uh, annually um that it's seen in decades this year and the forecast nuclear sort of availability for wind has been has been subsequently lowered as a result of the issues that we've seen more recently. And I think the last um, sort of, well, I guess
0: in terms of sort of other
1: markets that we we'll are sort of connected to, if we look at Norway, we've seen, probably seen higher imports lately to, to Norway uh, than we probably would be expecting uh, due to sort of the low hydro stocks um, in Norway and in other parts of the Nordics. Subsequently, prices in, in in areas of Norway have, have rocketed as, as a result of this. Uh, so much so that the Norwegian government has even started to sort of consider the potential um, policy of maybe limiting interconnector exports this winter, uh, which should obviously have a direct impact on us. And I think it's really just due to these ongoing issues in these markets that um, that have sort of led us. Um, as a country to become a net exporter for electricity in the past four months that we've seen. Therefore, I guess the, the assumptions surrounding the sort of derated margin have been sort of heavily uh, will be heavily dependent upon what those interconnected export levels are as we enter into the winter season. Um plus we also need to consider obviously the price of power in these markets. So if we're to incentivize imports over the, over winter then we need um, then it could sort of see be having to pay you know higher than usual prices to compete with the demand from other markets. Um, and I think slightly moving away I guess from um the those interconnected markets, but I guess it's a, a broader point that's related to the assumptions um, linked to um, that sort of derated margin forecast would just be surrounding um the assumptions around the capacity market and just that um, you know, capacity market contracts or, or obligations, they don't necessarily guarantee imports during uh times of stress either. So, if you know the price of power in Europe is high enough, so the value of, of export is greater than the revenue the interconnector would get for importing to GB, along with and um, if it's also higher, um, along with sort of the penalty for not meeting its CM agreement. Then, you know, in such a scenario, exporters the continent would be the most lucrative action to take. So this again, you know, would suggest that um, high power prices would be required to incentivize imports when needed during those periods of tightness.
0: Brilliant. Um, thank thank you, Joe. So just one, um, I've got one final question. I think we may have got uh, one that appeared on the chat, which I'll I'll cover off. Um. What is the ESO doing to kind of, is there anything they can do to kind of mitigate the kind of the European gas supply issues?
1: Yeah, so um, I think we've both sort of touched upon the report um, did also sort of uh, address um, the sort of wider issues uh, in the gas market as the gas supply concerns uh, for this winter rumble on. And um, yeah, as we sort of mentioned, um, National Grid Gas will also be uh, publishing a similar sort of early winter outlook, uh, covering the gas side in more detail. But um, I think really the two main things to mention here in terms of the actions that ESO are are, are doing to sort of mitigate the risks, um, cover things like uh, the delay of coal plant closures. So as some of you may be aware, uh, the government along with the ESO has struck uh, deals with the likes of Drax and West Burton A to extend the availability of um, some of their coal units um, out to um, roughly sort of April 2023 in order to uh, provide additional thermal capacity uh, this winter uh, if and when needed by the ESO. Um, the ESO also mentioned that it's exploring options concerning how it could uh, possibly incentivise demand-side response. Uh, for large electricity customers, so ideally shifting demand away from those peak periods, or uh, just generally um, lowering demand. Um, so, you know, we've all sort of already sort of heard rumours in the news in recent months of the year, so um, have been sort of looking at this, and it's something that we've already seen played out in countries on the continent. So, like uh, we've seen um, similar sort of measures already used in the likes of Germany um, so we could start to see um, some more clarity uh, and detail on this in the coming weeks and months on this topic Um probably um, yeah probably once um, the situation in, in government is a lot more cleared up um, so yeah I think um, it's obviously um, a measure that the ESO are, are sort of looking at as I sort of mentioned in, in the in the report but um a lot more sort of detail and uh context is sort of needed as to, as to how that um such a sort of policy uh, would play out and who would be involved and in how people would be um incentivized either you know by sort of what sort of um payment types and, and what have you so um yeah i expect to see some sort of more clarity and detail on that in the in the coming months.
0: Brilliant, thank you, Joe. So we've we've touched on there, haven't we? That there's two more two more expectation expect two more reports expected to to come out. Um, so uh, it's uh, I know it's September and October. You've probably got the exact date to hand, haven't you?
1: Um, is this for the um, actual winter outlook publication in general? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, typically it goes, comes out in, in the October time. And so that's um, what we're sort of earmarking for the actual full release of the Winter Outlook. And as you said, Ronnie, I think um, in the coming weeks, I think it's either this month or next, early next month, the National Grid Gas is publishing the the gas equivalent of this report.
0: Yes, that's my understanding. And obviously, as, as soon as those comes out, we'll be covering it in the daily bulletin, and then obviously perspectives um, and other commentary in the uh, in in energy spectrum. Um, brilliant. Um, okay, we've had uh, we've had another other couple of questions, um, Joe, as well. Um, so perhaps I'll, I'll I'll drop them to you. more, sort of we can get back to the individuals bilaterally if uh, if that's okay. Um, okay. Brilliant. So I'll <laughs> so I'll I'll jump. Jump forward because I I, I, uh, I covered the, um, the the previous article, so we'll we'll now cover the uh, long-range electricity storage policy to be developed with benefits explored by BAEs. So this came out on the. 3rd of August um, and this was uh, the outcome of its July 2021 call for evidence on facilitating the development of large scale and long duration electricity storage. So the image that I've uh, put up on the slide here is power storage capacity scenario one versus scenario three for all durations. So Having reviewed the responses uh, and externally commissioned analysis, the report set out several conclusions that have been re- reached in relation to uh, large scale and long duration electricity storage, or LLES. This includes that it has an important role to play in achieving net zero, as it will help to integrate renewables, maximizing their use and contribution to security of supply. It will also help to manage constraints in certain areas. Uh, The consultation outcome adds that it will also provide low carbon flexibility, replacing some unabated gas generation, as well as helping to diversify the technology mix and support the meeting of the 2035 decarbonisation power sector targets. However, the report highlighted some barriers to deployment, citing the current market framework due to the high upfront costs, and a lack of um currently um forecastable revenue streams so um as stated in the the report that storage will have a you know it it really does have a key role to play um with the lles is able to better optimize renewable outputs and in turn reduce costs for added generation or network assets however you know the these barriers um, to deployment will need to be addressed for people to take, therefore take advantage of um, LLES. Do love a good acronym? Um, Finally, uh, just to finish off, BAE's published, it's q Q2222 Renewable Energy Planning Database. So I've got a graphic pulled here of kind of where all the additional, where the changes were. Um, in the database this time around so this was published on the 1st of august um, and it really so what does the renewable energy planning database do well it effectively provides an overview of operational and planned renewable energy projects including battery storage across the uk so by development status capacity clusters under construction has increased by four gigawatts quarter on quarter Um, and in addition we've seen a further two hydrogen projects entering the planning database, which brings the total number of hydrogen projects to seven. There was also three new floating wind projects enter the database as well. So kind of the addition of the further nascent technologies in planning as indicated in this release um, is really welcome with National Grid's recent Future Energy Scenarios 2022, highlighting the need for a diverse generation mix, including a range of flexible technologies, alongside hydrogen, featuring in all of its net zero scenarios, as well as expressing the need for technology advances, including high capacity floating offshore wind. Fabulous. Brilliant. Um, well, I just want to say thank you, thank you for joining us, Jo. I'm sorry you had some 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 technical issues, but I'm really glad you were you were able to join us um today. Um and yeah, and just again, thank you everyone for listening this morning. We will have the normal the normal webinar next week. Um and so look forward to speaking to you all then. Um so yep everyone have a great day and take care and goodbye.
1: Thanks, Ronnie. Have a good day, everyone.